10, 15. Back up field at the 35 to the 40. 45, 50. Pass the 50. 35, 40. Pass the 30. To the 20. Inside the 20. Inside the 10. Hello again, everyone. This is the Old College Try. This is your host, Tim Highland, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Mike Unger. Mike, I have to ask you the most pressing question facing every college football fan, nay, every American. How are you enjoying the new Taylor Swift album? <laughs> well, I did hear that What uh, all 10 of the songs are uh, on the charts or something, right? She has every single spot in the top 10 of the whatever chart is called now. I yeah. was just asking someone, would I know a single song of hers? Like, I certainly don't know any of the new albums, but what's her most famous song that I would possibly know? I mean, the album that I became aware of for her originally was called 1989, but that was like deeply into her career. I think she I think she started as a country artist and mm. she's definitely not that now. Mm. Well, we've lost all our listeners at this point anyway so <laughs> she's a genius absolute genius uh and the song anti-hero i don't care if you think you like taylor swift or not listen to the song it's free on spotify go for it uh okay. mike your weekend of college football was what i tim don't think i've ever watched more college football in one day than i did on saturday okay i was by myself the entire day it was glorious from the first kickoff from the kickoff of the ohio state Penn State game at noon to the thrilling end of the Fresno State San Diego State game, which I hope everyone saw or at least go on YouTube and watch how it ended. Two touchdowns in 69 uh, seconds by Fresno and in court, in, including a onside kick recovery. I watched so much football, it was ridiculous. And by yourself all day, is it, that's a, kind of a nice day sometimes, right? Oh my God, I was so excited. And not, <laughs> of course, my girlfriend Allison was sick and ill. And then, so unfortunately, I was not excited for that. But um, I was excited to be by myself. I was supposed to go camping. I canceled that. I was like, look, I'm just going to stay in and watch football all day. And I, I think it's good for you to have that weekend alone because you have a big weekend coming up. We'll get there later. We won't tease. We'll, 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 we won't spoil it now. We'll tease it for later. Yeah, um, and then the weekend after that, I will be living with my girlfriend. So yeah, this was like my last hurrah by myself. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, my weekend, Mike. What, what happened? Uh, Saturday. Um, as everyone knows, I coach soccer, and Mike. I've told you before, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of the Italian soccer philosophy, which is... <laughs> you have, but I have always, uh, both then and now, I have no idea what you're talking about, but you have told so, me that. To me, it's like uh, scoring goals is fine, but the worst thing is to give up a goal. So I'm very defensive coach, okay? Wow. I, I, I don't like shipping goals. Sounds like a fan-friendly philosophy. Yes. Um, and in our first six game, six games, we'd only given up seven goals in our game on Saturday. We gave up seven goals in one game. Oh, my goodness. It was torturous. I was, like, in such misery. The good news is the next day we came back, won five to one, so it all felt better. Of course, I watched Penn State. We'll get there in a little bit. Um, but I also watched a lot of football on Saturday. Of course, this it's Philly's crazy here, Mike. I've got to say, I told you last week I was annoyed by the whole thing. Um, yeah. The crowd last night at that stadium was pretty impressive. 
They were, they were, I don't know why McCullers insisted on throwing so many curveballs. I guess that's what he does, but John Smoltz called every home run and obviously every Philly player knew what was coming. Five home runs. I don't know why they left him in, but yeah, the crowd looked awesome despite the fact that the Phillies have some of the worst uniforms in pro sports. Noted listener, Brian Schlater with a great comment. Their font is quote childish. It is childish. They they could have worn those beautiful powder blues, but I love those throwbacks, like what they wore in the '83 World Series when they uh, they fell to the mighty Baltimore Orioles. Last question: Do you think that McCuller, what his name was, was tipping his pitches because it was clearly something was up there? Yeah, possibly, possibly, especially with Bryce Harper whispering to the guy who was on deck. But I mean, if he was tipping his pitches, everybody knew it because John Smoltz knew it, and the Phillies knew it, and everybody knew it. So. I don't know, but if he did, if he was, admit little taste of your own medicine, huh, Astros? <laughs> there we go. All right, let's jump in. We can review, Mike. Uh, we'll start here for obvious reasons. Number two, Ohio State forty-four. Number thirteen, Penn State thirty-one. As I want to do with this game, especially, I always defer to you first. I don't want to cloud the conversation with my thoughts. Right. It's convoluted. So go ahead, Mike. Uh, all right. First of all, excellent effort by Penn State through you know three plus quarters. Played hard. Um, was able to keep that Ohio State offense in check. Good crowd. Um, unfortunately, individual talent, yeah, as it is wont to do, wins out in the end. Um, Travion Henderson's run, followed by number forty-four, who had a Lawrence Taylor-like day. I can't, I can't remember his. I mean, I can't pronounce his name right now. But he was absolutely everywhere, all over the field. Um, and C.J. Stroud stepped up. You know, once Penn State took the lead, Ohio State's response was so calm and so quick. It almost like stunned Penn State. Like it was a counterpunch that I think they took a little bit more um, out of Penn State than than the Nits. I think it hurt their confidence how quickly Ohio State came back and took the lead. And then when, went, they, when they went up by two scores, um, of course, the game was over. But a valiant effort by Penn State, but I mean, there's just it's not a it doesn't take a, a deep analysis. Ohio State is better at football in every category. I mean, I get to your point, like, and this is where look, Ohio I mean, Penn State recruits very, very well, and we have some talented players in that team. Like you saw yeah. them on the field, right? But they had Harrison, who is unbelievable, superstars everywhere. Um, Stroud, he didn't have his best game, but when no. it came time to play. Uh, the kid, I I can't pronounce his name. But I think it's JTT or his initials or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that was a once in a decade performance. Yeah, it really was unbelievable. Their their defense was great. And look, as we've said, this is basically a repeat of what we said uh, on the show last week. Penn State's a very good team. They easily could go ten and two. They're without question the third, in my opinion, the third best team in the Big Ten. It's pretty good, but unfortunately. They're not Michigan or Ohio State. They're certainly not Ohio State. And we learned this week uh, or last or this season, they're not Michigan either. So, you know, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in if you're a Penn State fan because you're very good. You have a good program. Franklin can recruit. He's, I think everyone at this point would agree he's not the best tactician. He's not the best X's and O's guy. He's not the best time management guy on Saturday, but he can recruit. He can run a program. Penn State's very good, but until they get – players you know as talented as ohio state gets they're not going to be in that in that tier and in penn state world last thing mike here so now i'm kind of annoyed by it the big thing now is that everyone's like all right season over um let's start prepping for next year we got to bench clifford and play 
uh, Drew Aller. Yeah. Okay. Now here's my thing. They're six and two. Ten and two is very clearly in the books and a New Year's Six bowl game. And maybe like Aller isn't starting because he's not the best option right now. Um, I, it just seems to me it's like people are like being a little bit uh, fatalist about what this season is. It could still be a very good, successful season. And I don't, I, I don't know. Do you throw on the towel here and be like, okay, true freshman, go out there and like potentially lose two games? I, well, I see it. I mean, what this this is an outpost of, of um, the fourteen playoff. You know, in previous years, ten and two, and oh, they look they still have a chance for the Rose Bowl if if both Michigan and Ohio State go to the playoff. I don't think that'll happen, but. 10 and two would be a great season right. or, or at least a very, very good season. But now everything is viewed as if you don't make the playoff, your season is a failure essentially. And uh, that's just the reality of what we're, what we're with, with a, uh, with a 14 playoff. Now, if there were 12 team playoff, Penn state would still be in the mix. Um, but we're not there yet. So I, I agree with you. The coaches know who the best players to play are. So I, I, I agree with that. I think that uh, I would def- I defer to the coaches on uh, on who to play. And by the way, 10 and 2, not quite officially in the books. There's still a matchup with the Maryland Terrapins on their schedule. Um, I'm mindful of that, Mike. But OK, anyway, uh, number three, Tennessee, 44, number 19, Kentucky, six. I have to say this. I and maybe I said it last week, too. I am racking my brain for a program that was in the fucking toilet. Sorry, everyone in the yeah. toilet. To make a turnaround, yeah, like we've seen in Knox, it is remarkable, right? Yeah, yeah. I watched uh, almost all this game as well, and what a performance by Tennessee! I mean, we knew we know what their offense can do. Their offense seems to be unstoppable, and I just obviously can't wait to see them play Georgia this week. But their defense was great in this game as well, and as was pointed out on the broadcast several times, the crowd spectacular i mean and they're coming back you know they're coming off that alabama game they were very lucky they had tennessee martin in between i think that really helped them but uh the atmosphere there was almost as good as it was in alabama i mean the crowd was super into it the 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 team came out focused ready to play and they look like they're just clicking on all cylinders they made kentucky look like an average to to bad team and kentucky is actually a pretty solid team yeah, it just, I mean, I have no words. Like, he's absolutely the coach of the year, right? There's no, oh, point. no doubt about it. Yeah, he he's definitely the, the front runner. We'll, there's still football to be played, but as of now, I'd give it to him for sure. Uh, their upcoming opponent, number one, Georgia 42, Florida 20. I didn't see much of this game. Mike, did you? Yeah, I saw almost all of it. Uh, Georgia dominated the first half. It was 28 3 at halftime. Uh, during the halftime show, our beloved analyst, Rick Neuheisel, had very astute comments as he always does he was like look if you're florida and you're billy napier you go into that locker room and you say what what are we made of what's our what's our you know what kind of heart do we have what kind of team are we going to be you know it's you let's go out there and just you know give it your all and see what happens and to their credit florida came out of the of the uh, locker room in the second half on fire i think they scored 17 unanswered points um, to make it 28-20. They were within one score, thought we had a ball game, and that's when, you know, Georgia exerted its will. It was, it was game was uh, somewhat similar to the Penn State-Ohio State game where, you know, Florida's pretty good, talented team, right? But they're not anywhere near Georgia. 
And that's just <laughs> the reality of things. And when the game got within one score, Georgia just kind of exerted its will and, and played a lot better in the second half. Wasn't Stetson Bennett's best game. He had, uh, I think he had three picks, or at least Georgia had three turnovers. Um, there was some consternation among noted listener Brian Schlater, and I'm not sure if he's a noted listener, but Lewis, who is a uh, Georgia grad, they weren't running the ball enough, and when they did run it, Florida couldn't stop them. Um, but Gary, also funny in this game, Gary Danielson could not uh, be happier with the fact that many, many Florida fans were shown leaving the stadium at halftime, and when they uh, when they got it to within one score, he just was was loving the fact that uh, so many Florida fans we're going to be regretting their decision to leave. <laughs> I am uh, hot and cold on Danielson. Like, yeah, like, me too. You know, that's so funny. You say that I couldn't, I can't, I could, I can't decide whether I like him or not. I definitely loved how much glee he was getting because he thought it was ridiculous. Basically that, that you would leave, uh, you know, a rivalry game when you're a fan, the level of a Florida fan. So he was basically giving it to the Florida fans. Um, but yeah, it, sometimes he bothers me and sometimes I like him. It's, it's true. So last week on the show, Mike, I did tell you, we had a, a short discussion about, um, and this is based on my own personal experience having been uh, up there. Um, in terms of a rivalry of, of real hatred, you can't get much more than Michigan-Michigan State. And oh, well, we'll get to that. I think it played out pretty clearly. Michigan, yes. Michigan 29, Michigan State 7. Uh, Michigan, I mean, it, it, for, for a while it was interesting, but again, Michigan miles better. They dominated. They, they, unfortunately for them, they just couldn't score touchdowns. They kept kicking field goals. And uh, of course, we had a very unfortunate uh, post game incident, <laughs> which is still being uh, rectified. It is humorous to me. Again, this time last week, you were like reading to me um, stuff about Penn State players throwing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at right. them. It seems to me like maybe if you were a multi million dollar college football program, maybe don't have both teams go into the same tunnel, okay? But it also seems to me, maybe if uh, you're a, a somewhat of an adult or at least over 18 years of age, uh, when the whistles blows, the game is over. And uh, maybe don't assault people when you just got your ass kicked 29-7. There's that as well. This is a very unfortunate incident. I think, last I saw, I think there was eight Michigan State players suspended. There's legal stuff happening too, right? Yeah, there's a, there's a legal investigation and Jim Harbaugh said apologies aren't going to cut it. I'd also, I'd like to just throw out there, as you said, we couldn't, you know, who is a team in recent memory who went from so crappy to so good as quickly as Tennessee? You know, historically, Michigan State hasn't been great, but they had a pretty epic season last year. And my God, has uh, the bottom fallen out this year? And this is just the bottom of the bottom. I mean, they're not quite AM. <laughs> they might be worse than AM. I mean, they're, that's, a, that's a good parallel, though. Both pretty dicey situations. Anyway, yeah. a very um, bad look overall for Sparty. Um, I just can't imagine, like, what God knows what led to this thing. But, like, no, you can't assault somebody as a group in the, like, no. Oh, Oh my the god. The game is over. Get your ass in the locker room. Uh number seven, TCU 41, West Virginia 31. TCU, has there been a quieter, um, just all of a sudden contending team than TCU? No, right? Yeah, watched I watched uh, a lot of this game on one of the TVs as well. TCU's offense is so impressive. They could not be stopped by West Virginia, albeit West Virginia that doesn't have the greatest defense. Sorry, Dave. Um, but 
you know, you just always had the feeling TCU was going to kind of pull this one out at the end of the game. And that's kind of how their whole season has gone. You just feel like TCU is going to find a way to win it. Will that, I, I, I personally think that's going to come back to bite them in one of their final games here down the stretch, but uh, we'll see. It was a nice win for them on the road. Any road win in conference play and late October is a good one. So. I forget if I signed this one for homework last week, and I'm hoping I did. So you watched it, Mike. But this one is just bizarro. Number 22, K State 48. Number nine, Oklahoma State zero. Yeah, I actually did not watch much of this one because by the time I I realized it was on, it was not on one of my top three screens. It was 35 nothing at halftime, uh, K State. I have no idea what happened here. Uh, it was the first time Mike Gundy team had been shut out in like what 15 years or something like that. Uh, so that, that was just an odd result. And, uh, if that was the homework, I failed it because I did not watch. And at a very high level, again, I didn't see much of this game. Um, if you're a really bad team, like say Iowa or Northwestern, like you generally still score like three or six points. If you're a top 10 team to get shut out. It's unheard of. Wow. I, I, I can't recall. The, like, that's that's shocking. shocking. It is shocking. And by the way, I don't know if it's on your list, but did watch a lot of Iowa Northwestern and the uh, Hawkeyes. I put, I believe, 30-plus up on Northwestern. Tells you a little bit about Northwestern this season. Yeah, I know. Uh, number 15, Ole Miss 31, A&M 28. Again, A&M just a – again, it's a cliche. Dumpster fire right now. Um, good win for Ole Miss. Uh, Lane Kiffin had some fun with Jimbo after the game. Yeah, those were great comments. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I believe Jimbo called him a clown in the offseason. Jimbo really likes running his mouth. Watched a fair amount of this, too. Very, very fun, entertaining game to watch. And say what you will about Texas A&M, Kyle Field at night, still a, still a great venue. Um, the fans were into it. It was loud. But fortunately, just not enough skill players on offense for Texas A&M. You could just see that watching the game. They just they didn't have the comeback ability they don't have the big play ability it's and again we, it, we've been saying for a week it's just a mess overall they have this weird combination of not enough older talent they're putting yeah. freshmen in key spots they're not ready to play i think someone said that they have three and i could be wrong here don't call me out of th two or three starters uh freshmen on the o-line you don't want that i don't care who how good they are no yeah. way no way no no and they're getting people kicked off the team and um, I think I was your buddy, Tom Luganbill, who I was listening to lately. And by the way, I echo your thoughts that Sunday morning, uh, ESPNU Sirius XM radio show with him and Barrett Salee, very entertaining. They yeah. have really, really, um, intelligent. I won't even call them takes opinions and, um, they're not reactionary and they're not trying to, you know, make a point. Uh, he was talking about how he thinks one of the problems with Texas A&M is that, when you recruit all these kind of five stars from Texas, you know, are they bought into trying to win for Texas A&M or especially with now they're getting all this NIL money. Is it just kind of like a corporation of one that they're trying to just get themselves to the NFL. So when you're recruiting, I think you have to find a mixture of those types of, of people and players. Um, and I'm not sure Texas A&M does a great job of, of doing that. He has the same thought, by the way, on, on the current state of Miami. So Miami got a yeah. huge recruit last week. I think the top corner in the country. Um, but same thing. It's like, all right, are you going to Miami to win a title for Miami? Are you going to Miami to cash in? Yeah. Speaking of Miami, can we talk about their game? In a second, Mike. Hold on. Uh, all right. 
<laughs> uh, Notre Dame 41, number 16, Syracuse 24. I think we discussed this last week. Syracuse coming off a heartbreaking loss at Clemson. All of a sudden, were they at home here? They were at home? They were home. Yeah, it was in the dome. Uh, that, so predictable here, right? Well, so yeah, you predicted it. It was your lock of the week, and you got the win. Well done for you. But I don't think you could have predicted Syracuse starting quarterback Garrett Schroeder going out early in the game, change the trajectory of the game. But still, uh, Syracuse could not stop Notre Dame's running game. That was basically the story of that game. Uh, number 17, Illinois 26, Nebraska 9. Again, Illinois, they have like one loss, right, to Indiana? Yeah, that's their only loss. That's a miracle. If they played now, Illinois would beat them by three touchdowns. <laughs> I. The prospect of Illinois being in the Big Ten title game makes me a little upset, Mike. Well, you better get used to it because they destroyed Nebraska. They were in control of this game the entire time. Um, and they just they have a great running game. They really have they they play good defense and they run the ball. It's classic like old school Big Ten um football. I mean, what a season for them. They'll if they make it to the Big Ten title game, um, they'll get annihilated by either Ohio State or Michigan. Um, and then they probably won't even go to the Rose Bowl because whichever team, I don't see both those teams going, possibly if Ohio State loses, but not if Michigan because of their weak non-conference schedule. So, But still, what a fun year to be an Illinois fan, huh? I mean, going into Nebraska and, and dominating the Huskers like that, I don't care how bad Nebraska is. You're Illinois. It's still a great win. And again, I don't know the details, but again, I trust Luganville. Um, he called, I think he had the Illinois game last week. Um, he's like, hey, these guys are really good. Like they've yeah. got NFL talent. So this must be a case of Bilemma going going into the portal, right? And bringing dudes in. It has yeah, to. well, he got some of these guys, I believe Chase Brown, and Brown has his brother on the team. I believe they're Canadian. I believe he recruited them, but uh, don't quote me on that. And finally, Mike, you wanted to add the Miami Vatech game? Yes, the Miami Vatech game. So I was stunned when I didn't see this game, but when I read about it. So the final 14-12, Miami wins in four overtimes. <laughs> the, the score, there were no touchdowns scored. It was not two touchdowns for Miami. 6-6 six, six going into overtime. I think it was the third game that went into overtime with no touchdowns in the last 15 years, something like that. <laughs> and uh, um, they trade field goals. And in the fourth overtime, Miami gets the mandated two-point conversion to win this game 14 to 12 over Virginia. That's, you know, we that's almost worse than Miami already lost to Middle Tennessee State this year. This is almost worse. <laughs> I mean, I can't believe how bad Virginia or Miami is. So I do think that Cristobal is a good coach and he probably will get it turned around, but they are really zeroing out. Wait, Virginia or Vatech? Oh, Vat. Uh, no, no, Virginia. They played. Virginia. So Miami is zeroing out. Uh, yeah, they played Virginia. So Cristobal is a good recruiter. It's, yes, it's, it's it's uncertain if he's a good coach. Exactly, exactly, and uh, it's not off to to a great start. But again, he got this. He got the number one corner. I think maybe the number one player in the or number two player in the country this week. So. We'll see, Mike. All right. So, Mike, um, to your credit, you proposed on Monday or Tuesday, like, hey, maybe we do the show after 
the CFP rankings come out. And it was a, it was a genius move, Mike. Congratulations. Thank you. Our listeners really they're clamoring to hear what we want to what we think about these rankings. All right. So there's no there's no more goodbye others receiving votes. It's That's just right. who makes it. Here we go. 25 UCF, 24 Texas. We can't get rid of Texas even <laughs> in CFP, whatever. Uh 23 Oregon State, 22 NC State, 21 Wake Forest. Kind of low. Well, well, they got absolutely annihilated by Louisville in uh, in, in explosive fashion. Um, I love the fact that uh, Oregon State has cracked the top 25. We're big Beavers fans here on this podcast. And UCF had a great, thrilling win over Cincinnati on on Saturday. That was a very fun game to watch at the end there. Uh, Number 20, Cuse. Number 19, Tulane. 18, Okie State. 17, North Carolina. 16 Illinois North Carolina kind of a team that's been forgotten about you know they're they're sitting there seven and one they could easily go uh 10 and one and play Clemson in the ACC championship game their only losses to Notre Dame they don't have the greatest defense but this freshman quarterback people are just raving about him and they have a good offense so it's an interesting season for the heels uh 15 Penn State 14 Utah 13 K-State 12 UCLA 11 Ole Miss Surprise UCLA is down that far, especially when you see USC in the top 10 and UCLA has a couple better wins. They each have one loss. Uh, so I'm surprised uh, surprised to see that. So I'm going 10 to 7. I'm going to pause. 10 LSU, 9 USC, 8 Oregon, 7 TCU. And I've, I have I said it last week. I think it's the greatest thing for college football that we've had in, like, God, what, seven, five, seven, nine years. To me, this top six is so fluid and mm-hmm. so it'll be, I, I have no doubt that it'll be totally different at the end of the season and potentially one of those teams from seven to 10 jumping up there. It's six, six Bama, like number six Bama, five Michigan, which to me is curious, four Clemson, also curious, three Georgia, which no listener Brian Schley wasn't happy about. Um, to Ohio State, and I think a hundred percent, completely justifiably, number one Tennessee. No, I completely agree with you on number one Tennessee. Going back to Michigan real quick, I think it's interesting that they're five because they passed the eye test, as people like to say. But they had such a horrible non-conference schedule that I don't think even if they lose to Ohio State and they finish the year eleven and one, I don't think they have a chance to make it into the college football playoff without winning out where I, I think Ohio state might, if they lose a close game to Michigan um, and at four Clemson, you know, they don't really pass the eye test in the same way. I think that some of these other teams do they've won and, uh, but they played a good schedule. They've beaten uh, Wisconsin on the road. They have beaten NC state. They beat Syracuse. These are good wins of all against top 25 teams. So I really don't have any problem with uh, what the committee, what the committee has done. I might've, put Georgia two and Ohio state three, but all that's irrelevant. So early when you look at the the first year of the rankings, 2014 Mississippi state was the first was the number one team. They sure they had Dak Prescott, but um, you know, they were, they were nowhere near the, the playoffs. So a lot of football to be played. I mean, uh, Twitter is, ha- has been for years now at hellscape and it's not yes. getting better recently, by the way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But like the 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 caterwauling and like the complaining about the first rank, it's like who cares? Who cares exactly? Who cares? I mean, that's the whole point why they 
why they do these rankings and why they televise them is to just to get people talking and get people kind of addicted to the process. But don't fall into the trap. It doesn't matter. There's so much football to be played. Nine times out of 10, this has worked itself out. I mean, over the nine years, there's been like, what, one or two maybe controversies about who's four and who's five, and they're not real controversies. I mean, pretty much every year it's been controversy-free. And again, I still, I'm, I firmly believe Bama, Michigan, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee. More, I think more even though than last week when I said the same thing, um, I think they're all interchangeable mm-hmm. and they all have flaws. I mean, like, again, Ohio State beat us, but Ohio State wasn't fantastic against Penn State, who's not a perfect team either. Um, all these teams have flaws. I, I just think it could be any of those six teams or somebody else at the end of the year, Mike. I really do. Yeah, TCU still has the ability to come to come up uh, uh, and get in there. And I think, like, if you look at, like, LSU still has a chance. Ole Miss still has a chance. So it's, it's wide open, which I think is great for college football. It's been, it's been much needed, right? Much, yeah. much. Um, all right. <laughs> Uh, Brian Harson. So Brian Harson, who had a wonderful tenure at Boise State, I think he was like sixty-three and fourteen, something like that, in his tenure there. Um, hired at Auburn, of course, an unconventional choice going from like that region down to the SEC. I do chuckle when like this. This I've read so many articles, and um, the go-to for Auburn and Alabama news is AL.com. And they're they're good reporters, they're good the columnists or whatever, but they do tend to fall into this thing where it's like, well, it's different down here, and you need to like figure, yeah, 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 whatever. And like, oh, he he never figured it out. He never like went. He he, he didn't go to the Bo Jackson golf event, and it was this- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's dumb. I would love to go to the Bo Jackson golf event. What else was he doing? That was that's not the issue. The issue is he didn't win enough games. I think it was yeah. like nine and fourteen or something. He's not a good recruiter, according to pretty much everyone that I've heard. That's of. the thing. Like to me, it's like okay, that's a solid uh, data point. He didn't do the work on the recruiting trail. Yeah, like, the actual work. That's the work. Yeah, yeah. No, that's what I, I I heard. I heard and read a lot about him as well. And you know, we're just parroting what we've heard and read. Uh, but you know, he just did not. Uh, there were a couple times where he was not out recruiting and the assistants were not out recruiting. And it was like a shock to everyone in the Auburn ecosystem because everyone in the sec knows, and I'm sure in other conferences as well, like you have to be recruiting 24 seven. It's kind of the same thing that got Dan Mullen, right? He didn't, according to all reports, did not love to recruit. Like he's a football guy in X and O, you know, maybe he should go to the NFL. I'm not saying that's the, I, that's the, the, the idea for, for um, uh, Brian Harson, but I also love, you heard so many times, well, he's never coached east of the Mississippi. It's like, well, you know, well, th- that's <laughs> true, but football is football on each side of the Mississippi. And also, why can't you just say you never coached in the deep south? I don't know why they always have to say east of the Mississippi. Um, but it, we, we could all tell it was a disaster from the second it happened. Um, but that's a lot of that is due to the dysfunction at Auburn. Yeah, so again, as far as our next steps, I, I mean – they want and, Lane Kiffin, but I would be I would be fascinated if Lane would make that move in conference. I, I that would be weird to me. I, I I think he'll do it because a he'll get paid more. B he'll have a better chance to win there, and and C he'll in his mind with his ego think will think things will be different when I'm there. That's what all these coaches think. So you know they'll think well I can change it. Things will be different if I'm there. 
if I'm Lane, and I think you would agree, Mike, I'm like, all right, I'm I'm cool at Ole Miss, probably making like four or five mil a year, win eight, nine games, you're good to go. Right. Why? Why? Auburn is a toxic, horrible job. It's awful. Yeah, but he's going to get twice as much money, so you can start and stop right there. Um, and also, again, ego. He wants to to play. He, can you think of anything he would like more than to than to knock off Nick Saban and win the West at Auburn? I mean, in theory, he can do that at Ole Miss, but I think we all understand you have a much better chance of doing that at Auburn than you do at Ole Miss. Another name, of course, Mike, you – I'm sure you know this. I mean, it's it's out there. Deion Sanders. Is yeah. Out. Yeah. I heard I heard someone making the argument that Deion should go to Georgia Tech, which I think might be a better move for him right off the bat because A, it's power five. B, you can win the ACC easier. C, he's a legend already in Atlanta. Think about he'll, he'll, be, he'll be able to recruit outstandingly in Atlanta to Georgia Tech. Um, and he would have a much bigger leash there. So I would think that that's kind of an intriguing landing spot for Deion. I mean, look. So Dion got game day at Jacksonville. Was it Jacksonville State last week? It's Jackson State. Jackson State. It, and like, so I I was running around. I didn't see game day. They have their was that their stadium they were at right there. I think I didn't see game day this this week either. Unfortunately, uh, it looked pretty cool. Um, again, I think last year he got like I think the number one recruit in the country. Yeah, he did. He switched. He flipped uh, flipped him from Florida State. So I'm just saying, like, hey. Dion, all impressions so far. He's a pretty good coach. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. He's got a bright future. And I, one thing I, I like, I did see D- Desmond Howard's interview with him uh, prior, like on the Friday before when they were already down there, this, the uh, game day crew. And I loved his answer when they asked him about going to Power Five. He's like, absolutely, I'd listen uh, for myself, for my assistant coaches, and you know, he was just honest about the fact that he would listen to go to a power five job. And I, I like that uh, honor, honesty and straightforwardness. Uh, Mike games of the week. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. I have no, Oh, this is a Friday game. Friday game. Number 23, Oregon state, our beloved Oregon state at Washington, 10 30 PM Friday ESPN two for the diehards. If you're up for a late Friday game, there you go. Yeah. I'll be in Chicago. So it's only nine 30 Chicago time. Uh, Huskies four and a half point favorites over our beef. Both teams six and two should be a, that's actually a pretty good matchup uh, for Friday night game, in the PAC 12. I was a little upset this week or last when I found out that our friend uh, noted sometimes listener Atlas was going to be in Corvallis. I, I don't like people going there. I, I like to own that we've been there. <laughs> he is. I can confirm. He's the first person outside of you and Brian that I've ever heard having been there or uh, t- uh, planning to go there. Uh, here's a, this is homework. This is homework this week, folks. Homework is Florida at A&M noon on ESPN. I, I think it's going to be a deadly, horrible atmosphere at a and I know they're great fans and they're, yeah, no, at noon. Absolutely. I, I, I agree with you here. They're somehow three and a half point favorites. I would take the Gators all day long on that one. Uh, speaking of not great atmospheres, Mike, to me, this is a very fascinating game though. And a, a, potential i don't mean too dramatic here but a potential pivot point for maryland as far as a program unranked maryland at unranked wisconsin noon btn so for years i remember like you as an indiana fan would like lament the week having to go into wisconsin because you knew it was going to happen whether yeah. it was, indiana was good or bad or whatever like you knew you were get, get out muscled 
Correct. I think we both agree that Loxley's done an amazing job recruiting and building Maryland into something better than what they've been. And I think they're a more physical Maryland program than they have been since the fridge days. Do you think Maryland can go into Madison and beat these guys? Absolutely. No doubt about it. I echo everything you just said and agree with it wholeheartedly. Maryland has athletes that, you know, when Indiana, as you said, even when Indiana was good, Wisconsin would just line up and just blow us off the ball. Their offensive line would dominate our defensive line. Wisconsin does not have that type of team this year. Maryland has skill players that I'm not sure Wisconsin's defense can stop. Um, it's going to be a noon kickoff. It's a big, much bigger game for Maryland than it is for Wisconsin. It was ba- basically four and four. They're just playing out the schedule this year. And as you said, if Maryland wins this, they're seven and two going into the Penn State game. They win that. They have clawed their way up one rung in that Big Ten East, which is a bear of a thing to do. So, yeah, this is a big, big game for Maryland. And I uh, can't wait. Wisconsin, four and a half point favorites. Take the Terps all day in this one. Do you think the Maryland fan base grasps the gravity of this game? <laughs> not to the same level that you and I do. I mean, I, not to be dramatic, I, I do think it's, it, it could be a real a real uh, benchmark win in the program. It could. I do, I know. But I think most of the Maryland fan base is looking forward to the basketball season tipping off next week more than uh, this ball game here. Are they going to be good in basketball this year, Mike? Yeah, they're they're uh, they're ranked in the top twenty-five preseason. They should be very good. But you know who the Big Ten picked to win the t- uh, the conference this year, led by preseason All-American Trace J- Jackson Davis, is Indiana. Back to the glory days, Mike. <laughs> we'll see what happens at the end of the season. Here we go. A Titanic game. Number one, Tennessee at number three, Georgia, 330 uh, CBS. I started the show talking about how impressed I've been by Tennessee. It's hard to doubt a team has been as good as they've been. I do think this is like uh, one of those games where it's like the team who's the nouveau riche going into the team who is battle-tested, I have to lean so heavy Georgia here. I have to agree with you, unfortunately. You almost get the feeling like Georgia's just been killing time until until a game of this magnitude, you know? They've been doing what they have to do, but they haven't really been focused. You know, they didn't play great against Kent State. They almost lost to Missouri. You know, it was a, a one-possession game in the second half against Florida. But Tennessee will have their full attention, and they'll have the fans' full attention, 3.30 kickoff, they and you want to talk about a difference. What what about the difference in experience in this game? Oh my goodness, Tennessee is not used to playing anything like this type of game, especially on the road. Um, and Georgia is, uh, and they're they're at home. Eight and a half points strikes me as a bit of a bit of a big number, but I I tend to I tend to lean Georgia in this one. Uh, number fifteen, Penn State and Indiana, three thirty ABC. Why oh. is that three thirty kick, Mike? Oh God, just to ensure that no one has to watch it because it's up against Tennessee, Georgia. <laughs> this is going to be so I, I do predict a slow start for the Knits uh-huh. um, yeah. coming off this Ohio State game. But Indiana has just such an unbelievable lack of talent that uh, I'm not even concerned for Penn State. They'll at least definitely in the second half there, they'll exert their will. They're favored by two touchdowns, 14 point favorites. Take the Knits. I I would not be surprised if um, uh, Clifford and Aller split series here. I don't agree with it, but I can see it happening. Honestly. 10 10-7 Penn State at halftime, 31-13 Penn State final. 
Number 20, Syracuse at Pitt, 3.30 p.m. on the ACC Network. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen more than a quarter of Pitt football this year, Mike. How, how are things going out there in Pitt? <laughs> well, I'm not the Pitt correspondent, but I did see much of their game against Tennessee. Remember, that was a wildly entertaining game. And I saw, uh, actually, I watched a fair amount of their game against North Carolina uh, last week. So Pitt is having a very Pitt season. They're four and four. Um, they have a very good running game. They don't have the best defense. Interesting game for Syracuse because you talk about a pivot point with Maryland. The Cuse was having a dream season, right? They were 6-0 and for the first time since 1987. They go down to Clemson and lose a heartbreaker. Then they come home and they got really outmuscled and outclassed by Notre Dame. They go to Pittsburgh this week. They lose this one. They're six and three. You know, they're staring like seven and five in the face. And then all of a sudden, really, was it that great a season? So interesting game for Syracuse. Pitt's favored by three and a half. How about this cracks me up too? Um, like the the JV game in the SEC this week, number six Bama at number 10 LSU, 7 p.m. ESPN. It's like, okay. Yeah, you almost get the feeling that the committee put LSU at number 10 just so they could be like, oh, another top 10 SEC game. <laughs> um, Alabama's favored by 12 and a half. It's a seven o'clock kick. It should be a very, you know, uh, electric atmosphere down there in Death Valley. Um, you know, you got to figure Bryce Young, uh, you know, Jaden Daniels is playing great quarterback for LSU and uh, they're playing good ball lately, but it just seems like the type of game where Alabama is going to find a way to win. Now the 12 and a half, Big spread for Alabama on the road. I'd actually kind of lean LSU on the on the spread there, but I think Bama will win. What's the line again? 12 and a half. Alabama's favored by 12 and a half on the road there. So, again, it's interesting game. I, I, I don't want to doubt Brian Kelly. I don't like him. Um, I kind of feel like Nick Saban would like really enjoy just like destroying him. <laughs> he certainly would, especially in LSU. Uh, number 24, Texas. Again, we can't get rid of them. Um, <laughs> At number 13, K-State. What's the line here, Mike? Uh, Texas is favored on the road by two and a half. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, people just, they have they have this like blindness to Texas. <laughs> that It's like results don't matter. They just think Texas is good just because they're Texas. Uh, very surprised that they're favored on the road here. I mean, we don't know the health of um, Adrian Martinez can't k-state's quarterback they they beat him but by, by the way they beat oklahoma state 48 nothing with their backup so if uh, martinez is in there i'd certainly take the wildcats at home plus the two and a half uh number four clemson at notre dame 7 30 p.m on nbc it said nbc peacock is it only available on peacock no 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 it's on regular nbc and then you get some kind of you can also watch it on peacock like with um, extra, extra camera angles, something like that. Something like, like that, I guess. Or if or if you're, you know, out and about, you can stream it on Peacock. But um Clemson three and a half point favorites on the road coming off a bye. Interesting. DJ after after being benched uh last week, you know, he had all that success as a freshman there at Notre Dame Stadium. So he'll be starting for Clemson. You know. It wouldn't be surprise me if Notre Dame comes out here and, you know, gives a, an A-plus effort, right? This is a huge game for them. They don't have much to play for for the rest of this season. And uh, their fans will be fired up, and uh, I'll be among uh, the, the crowd there at Notre Dame Stadium. Uh, number 21, Wake Forest. Number 22, NC State, 8 p.m. on the ACC. And again, 
Um, there a triangle game, Mike. Triangle. <laughs> a triangle game. I like that. I like that phrase. Uh, what we saw last week uh, with Wake Forest was truly shocking to me. Uh, obviously, I had Wake as my lock of the week, and they got annihilated 48-21 by Louisville in a game in which they had six turnovers in the third quarter alone. I don't even know how that's statistically possible, but Sam Hartman's a good quarterback. In my opinion, he'll bounce back. Uh, NC State, I don't know how they're still ranked, especially uh, with <laughs> their quarterback, Devin Leary, out. Um, so I would take Wake to bounce back and come back and win this one. I absolutely would. Uh, Wake is a four-and-a-half-point favorite in Raleigh, in that triangle, as you just so eloquently said. And this week, for uh, extra credit, I'm going to try myself, Mike, the late-night game, Cal at number 9, USC, 10.30 ESPN. Any thoughts on Cal at USC? Uh, no thoughts at all, other than USC is a 21-and-a-half-point favorite, but Having watched the late games last week, it was UCLA, Stanford, I think was one of them, and um, Fresno State, San Diego State. And I was uh, uh, of, of clear mind as well watching them, which was a, a rarity. That is very fun. So I would recommend doing whatever you have to do to stay up and watch those uh, those late games, make it to midnight, fun football watching at that time. I think also, too, by the way, that Hawaii is playing at Fresno. I think it's a 1130 yeah yeah so that's one of your that's your late late game yes all right mike our picks last week were what timmy you you hit uh you hit on syracuse to up your record to three and six nice pick uh on on notre dame over syracuse pardon me and as i said i had wake very unfortunate pick probably one of my worst in history to fall to three and six i'm catching you mike yeah we're tied we're both very, very exciting for all the listeners. Very bad. Very bad, right? This is like embarrassing. Yeah, three and six is pretty bad. Doesn't get much worse. <laughs> Bobby hit the bumper. Plays bets on college football. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. You're winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. What do you mean you don't bet? I mean, I don't bet. You know, I don't Pushes, gamble. I don't. Pushes, I never pushes. have. Tim, for this week's lock of the week, we are going to Nashville, Tennessee, home of the Vanderbilt Commodores. That's right. Bet you didn't see that coming. South Carolina comes limping in, having uh, coming off a loss. And they are six and a half point favorites on the road against Vanderbilt. South Carolina has covered five of the last six against Vanderbilt, including four of the last five in Nashville. I will take South Carolina minus six and a half at Vandy. Give me K-State, Mike. K-State over to – I like that one. So K-State getting two and a half points at home against the somehow ranked uh, 24th Texas Longhorns. I like it. I mean, like, uh, where does that line come? I don't, I don't get the line. I don't. Well, it's there for a reason. I can assure you that. I am sure. All right, Mike. So we've we've teased it since the start of the show. You've got a very exciting weekend this weekend, right? So 24 hours from now, I will be on a train barreling through, at this point, probably Ohio in the darkness, 
like a robber baron of a century ago, transporting <laughs> me from Union Station in D.C. to Chicago in an overnight train with three noted listeners, Doc Christie, Scott Tozier, and Ryan Tozier. We have two cabin suites. We'll be sleeping, showering, pooping, peeing, doing it all in the privacy of our own suites. We have dinner reservations in the dining car. We will have brought all our own provisions on there. We have, we'll have coolers. We'll have it all. It is a 4 p.m. to 9 a.m. train trip, which is a roughly, you know, 12 hour long, longer than I've ever been on a train. <laughs> when we get there, we have a full day in Chicago where we're going to do God knows what. We get there at 9 a.m. We have no plans other than to go drinking right the second we get there. <laughs> and then Saturday, we're taking party buses from Chicago do the two-hour drive to South Bend. They have open bar and bathroom on the buses. We'll tailgate when we're in Notre Dame Stadium. We will go to the game, and then we will go back to Chicago. That sounds like a long, fun, tiring, and very fulfilling day. So it's going to be a hell of a weekend in Chicago and South Bend for the Clemson Tigers. That sounds like an amazing try <laughs> that will be so much fun it's it, 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 it's gonna you know it's it's gonna be interesting for a lot of reasons i we don't know what to make of the train trip it stops about 27 times by the way on the way uh -huh. if this were in europe or asia it'd be like a four-hour trip but it's <laughs> uh you know it's like 13 hours here in america um we get there at nine and again we can't check into our hotel till three we have no idea what we're gonna do 9 a.m in chicago after uh, i doubt we're gonna have great night of sleep on the train you never know though and then uh, some of these guys families wives and kids arrive at 6 p.m on friday uh so i'm not sure what kind of state they're going to be in then but uh yeah it's going to be unreal i've been to notre dame stadium once in 1997 i saw a bc notre dame game there it was 33 degrees and pouring rain i remember that vividly so i'm looking forward to maybe a little better weather little different kind of atmosphere 20 years later. Um, but several of these guys have not been to Notre Dame Stadium, so it should be uh, unbelievable. Wait, so, so some of the guys have not been there before? Yeah. Oh, they'll love it. They'll love it. Yeah, it's, it, it, it oozes history. Um, also, as an experienced Amtrak traveler, do you know, is your the track you're traveling, is it dedicated to Amtrak, or was it, do you share it with um, freight lines? Do you know? I do, I, I do not know that. <laughs> that could be I will report back to that. I will text you when I find that out. That could be a game changer, Mike. <laughs> I can't wait. There's a lot about train travel that I'm looking forward to uh informing the audience about next week. <laughs> well, I hope you guys have a great I mean, I wouldn't I love that. I would, so me and Aaron um took a trip, it's now I think it's six or seven years ago to um the UK. Uh, we were in Ireland, Scotland, England, and we had a quote-unquote sleeper train from Edinburgh, Scotland to London, okay? And I was thinking like, oh, a sleeper train, like, oh, there'll be a bed. No, no, it was just, there was a seat. and you slept. <laughs> <laughs> But it sounds like you have actual beds, huh? Well, I don't, I have no idea. Who, I have absolutely no idea what we have, so I can't wait to report back. <laughs> All right. Um, Mike, this was fun. Uh, I, I wish you the best on your trip. And uh, there's one thing to say. Pachas. Pachas. Thank you for
You're listening to the TCFA Podcast. For more college football news and wit, visit intelligentcollegefootball.com.